Hey, it is good to be with you guys tonight. Thanks for being here. Thanks for giving up your Monday night to learn about community. Uh, community is really important to Phoenix Bible Church, uh, but more importantly, it is important to God. Amen? Uh, God within himself is community. Three in one in the Trinity, we call it Father, Son, and Spirit. Even in himself, he is communal. And as he makes us in his image, we are communal beings as well. And so uh, I'm glad you're here to delve into this topic. We'll talk about tonight a little bit practically, biblically, why community is so important, why it's so hard. I don't know if it's, it's hard for some of you. It's hard for me even as a pastor. Uh, sometimes because I'm a pastor, community can be hard. And so we just want to talk about how do we navigate these waters? If God created us for community, how do we actually experience it? And so uh, here, here's a preview of kind of where we're headed. Uh, Shane did a great job with the icebreakers. I'm going to teach for a little bit. Then we'll have a testimony, which uh, just a brief example of community. And then we'll have some time for discussion at your tables. You see those handouts that are right near you at your tables. Uh, hopefully, if we do this right, mainly if I do this right, we will have time for you to share uh, what you talked about at your tables as we close out the night. Uh, if you want to follow along with me, we don't have slides tonight, but you can grab a Bible, pull it up on your phone, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to pray, and then we will jump right in. God, I do thank you for tonight. Uh, God, I thank you for this, this community of people. God, you, you call us the body of Christ, uh, the bride of Christ, the, the church, the family of God. Uh, you call us that. You name us that. And so we are a community. Uh, the question is not, are we a community? The question is, are we going to act like one? The question is, are we going to navigate the difficult circumstances and sin in our lives uh, to experience this beautiful gift that you've given us call of community. Uh, God, I pray tonight uh, that you would rescue us from simply just attending another class and checking it off our list, uh, but instead you would change us from the inside out by the power of your spirit. You would help us as we seek to experience the community you have for us. Help us to see what you see and respond how you would have us respond. Uh, we pray all of that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, community is this, this really unique thing. Uh, I, I know I've seen it even in my life. It's this, it's this thing that simultaneously is the, the best thing ever, uh, but also the, the hardest thing ever. And it's both of those things at the same exact time, right? Uh, like, I've seen this personally in my marriage. I've been married for 16 years to my beautiful wife, Jaya, and I love her. Uh, she's great. Yeah, you clap for her. She's great. She's phenomenal. She's the best part of this thing. If you haven't met me, that's okay. But if you haven't met Jaya, you're missing out, okay? Uh, I love my wife. Like, she's my best friend. We, we actually, we enjoy hanging out with each other. I know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, we, we enjoy hanging out with each other. We love each other. Like, fully known, fully loved. It's this beautiful thing. It's the best thing. And yet, it's also the hardest thing. Right? There is nothing in my life that has revealed how much of a sinner I am in my marriage. Right? I mean, she gets to see all of me 24-7, not just Pastor Tim, but person Tim, sinful person Tim. And you know what's interesting? I don't know if any married couples can relate to this, but before I was married, I was a fantastic human being. Like, I was a wonderful man. No flaws at all. And yet when I got married, all this stuff started to pop up and 
here's the reality, we all know it, right? You know it by your laughter. It was already there. It, it just got brought to the surface, right? That's why marriage is primarily not to make you happy, but, but holy. Gary Thomas, Sacred Marriage, great book, if you, if you want to learn about that. But I've seen this personally in my life, like community can be the best thing, but also the hardest thing. And I don't just see that personally, I see that biblically. If you go back to the very beginning of your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, pre-fall, this is key, pre-fall, pre-sin. What do you see? The very first thing, God says, hey, this is not good. What is it? That you're alone. Pre-fall, pre-sin, everything's good except for, hey, there's one thing's missing. It's community. It's relationship. It's the best thing. And then yet it's the hardest thing. It takes them one chapter, Genesis 2 to Genesis 3. You may not even need to flip a page in your Bible for them to screw this thing up. Right? They sin against God. They blame one another. And they experience shame. They go from naked and unashamed, the best thing, to the hardest thing. They're sowing fig leaves on themselves. They're hiding from God who created them. And we see community can be this this best thing, but also this, this hardest thing. You see it in the New Testament, right? The reason why your Bible is so long because, is because community is hard. Right? The reason Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, but then followed it up with 2 Corinthians, is because they didn't get it the first time, right? And they were still having difficulty with God vertically, but also with one another horizontally because community is hard. Listen, if community was easy, 1 Corinthians wouldn't need to be so many chapters. It would just be one verse. It would just be keep up the good work. I love Paul. But it's not. It's like, hey, I'm going to remind you again. I mean, how many, Paul, how many times does Paul say, and again I say to you? Right? Because community is hard. They need to learn how to live with one another. And yet the, the beauty of the New Testament church, right, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And so I think we see this personally, you've seen it in your lives, we see it biblically, and so we have to ask, like, how do we navigate these waters? Again, community is how you are wired. I'm going to say this, uh, it's a provocative statement, but I just think it's pretty simple and true, is you will not experience the purpose, joy, and meaning God has for you, apart from community. You won't. You think, well, now me and Jesus, we're good. No. Biblically, it is designed this way. All the purpose, all the joy, all the meaning in your life will only happen with a one another, with a community. And so how do we navigate? I'm going to give you three things. Community, why we need it, why it is so hard, and then how we move forward. Why we need it, why it's so hard, and how we move forward. I want you to look at Ecclesiastes 4. We're going to read those first couple of verses. Ecclesiastes 4, look at verse 1 with me. It says this. This is Solomon. He says, Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead are more fortunate than the living who are still alive. Welcome to church, right? Uh, Solomon, bring in the encouragement tonight. Here's what Solomon is pointing out. He's pointing out what you already know is that life is, is hard, right? 
he says it would be better not just if you were dead, but if you had never been born. And the reality is Solomon wrote this thousands of years ago, but it's still true today. Like life is hard. Like how, how many of you know life is hard physically? How many of you know life is hard financially? Inflation, anybody, right? How many of you know life is hard politically? Keep your comments to yourself. Okay, calm down. Uh, life, life is hard emotionally. Life is hard. Like there's, there's sickness, there's sin, there's, there's strife. And, and that's just like, like in your inner circle, there's things going on in the world and other circles. And, and, and you're meant to experience all that and just, and like, what do you do with that? And Solomon gives you some freedom to say like, life is hard. I've seen this in my own life, even today, as I was preparing for today. Many of you know, uh, my dad has cancer. He has a surgery coming up. Uh, we just got the date today. At the end of this month, he's going to have surgery, hopefully, to get rid of the cancer. We got that news today, which is kind of bad news, but it's good news regarding the situation. And then simultaneously, we also got news my mom and dad have COVID. And that may affect things with the surgery. And I just got that news today. And and life, life is hard. And some of you, you have news that you could process if you had the mic and tell me about your life being hard even today. This is not ethereal, this is real life right now. And so life is hard, what do we do? Well, what I love about Solomon is he doesn't just uh, talk about the darkness of the world, he diagnoses the problem of the darkness. Did you catch it in verse one, twice? He says, there was no one to comfort them. There was no one to comfort them. See, the Bible actually gives us a remedy in its community. See, I don't know how long you've been following Jesus. I've been following Jesus for 20 plus years. And I remember uh, at first when I would start to experience some hardship in life and, and match that up with my Christian faith that God is good, I struggled with that. I got struggled with that and would, would, would kind of wonder, okay, what's the solution? Life is hard, but God is good. What's the solution? And I remember in different circles I was in, it was different solutions. Like for some people, it was, hey, like you're experiencing some hardship. You know what you need is the second baptism. That's what you're missing. You get that, baptism, the extra dose of the Spirit, you'll be good. It'll be, it'll be great for you. And I remember like I kind of tried that, didn't really experience anything getting better from that. And uh, then I went to another church circle and they were like, you know what you need? It's not second baptism. It is uh, the tulip and the five points of Calvinism. And if you just understand this, like then life will get better for you. It'll all work out. It'll all make sense. I remember there was a season of my life where the prayer of Jabez, you just need to pray this prayer, read this book, which sold a lot of copies. And that's your solution for the, the hardships of life. I remember in multiple seasons of life, it was the latest Hillsong album. And you just need a song like with water in it or oceans, you know, like just they'll flow through your life and your problems and things will get better. And I just, I, I got every Hillsong album they had and it didn't get better. Like life was still hard. And I think what's so beautiful about Ecclesiastes, if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, you know, it can be kind of depressing. But, but it's not just depressing. What, what Solomon is, is doing is he's painting a picture of reality and he's diagnosing the problem with that reality. And he does give us a solution. And it shows up in this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Look at verse 9. Skip down to that verse. He says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. 
Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can keep one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Just keep looking at that text with me. I want to give you just three things that we see there that, that Solomon gives us. We get a purpose from community, a perseverance from community, and a protection from community. We see the purpose, verse 9. Two are better. Why? Because there's more reward for your toil. Right? We, we see this practically. We see that impact grows exponentially when we are together rather than apart. Uh, we've seen this even recently with this union of two churches. Right before we actually became officially one church together, we gathered in this room, some of you were here, and we put together Hope Totes for the Phoenix Rescue Mission. And we put together over 500 Hope Totes. Now, we could have done that as separate churches, and we wouldn't have made as much of an impact. We could have had like one community who could have said, I want to put together some Hope Totes. And they would have made a little impact. I, I could do that, like myself, like as many Hope Totes as I can, just my little hands can put together. And yet, like, two churches came together, and we provided 500 hope totes to 500 people experiencing homelessness in our city. Amen? Amen. And, and we did what Solomon said would happen. Like, two are better than one. It's more reward for your toil. So even just practically, we see a purpose that strengthens because of community. In the midst of hardship. We see a perseverance. Life is hard. Solomon recognizes that. But he says, verse 10, when you fall, which you're going to fall, you have someone to pick you up and keep you going. You have protection, verses 11 and 12. Uh, he highlights the comfort of human companionship. But just quite simply, others can keep you warm. He says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You can be resilient. You can withstand the hardships financially. You can withstand the hardships emotionally. Those times when you're anxious, you can withstand that. How? Because you bring other people into the equation. There is insanity in isolation. But when you get around community, how many of you have been there? People start saying stuff. You thought you were the only one. And now you have what like C.S. Lewis talks about. He says that moment of like, oh, you too? Have you experienced that? Maybe even tonight, maybe later tonight, maybe the next few weeks you will, where you're going through some hardships in your life, and you're like, oh, my dad has cancer, or I have cancer, or, or hey, my, my job was taken away in the pandemic. And it, it's like, it's not the hardship like is erased, but there's a comfort, like you're warm all of a sudden. Like you're like a threefold cord, you're not so easily broken. You're like, okay, if so-and-so can do this, then I can do this. Right? That's why Amanda Gerson is going to share her testimony in a little bit. Because that, that happens in community. We can navigate these hardships. The, the remedy for the hardships of life is found in community. That's the way God has set it up. Uh, that's the way uh, Tom Cruise set it up. What? Top Gun. Amazing movie, both of them. I love them. Uh, do you know why they're, they're so good? And if you don't like Top Gun, just hold on for a second and bear with me. Uh, but Top Gun, you know the, why those movies are so good? It's not because Tom Cruise is 60, but it looks like 20. Uh, it's not because even like the amazing fighter jets and most of it was like real. It, it's not, that's not why. You know why Top Gun was so amazing? It's Maverick and Goose. It's in the second one, Maverick and Rooster, like Goose's son. It's their relationship together. 
It's how you see them navigate adversity together. It's how you see them grow stronger together. That's why we resonate with those movies. Like the music comes on in the background and we get emotional about it because of community, not because of the fighter jets, not because of Tom Cruise, right? It's because of community. This, this resonates with us. This is part of us. We, we see this is the way we're meant to navigate the hardships of life. And this is what allows us to do that effectively and for Christians in a God-honoring way that we cannot do on our own. And so some of us say, okay, Tim, that's great. Uh, that's Tom Cruise and Goose. Um, it's not so easy for me. Like, life is not the movies. Like, I don't have community like that. And so I just wanna, I just wanna address briefly why community is so hard. That's, that's our second point. Why is community so hard? I think if we're not careful, Sometimes, especially in frustrating moments with people, we could just chalk it up to like, you know, people are kind of down. I, people, I just, people uh, it's like we start quoting country songs, we're like, God is great, beer is good, people are crazy. Yeah. And, and, and I just think it's a little bit more nuanced than a country song, okay? Like people are sinful, that is true. But, but it's a little bit more nuanced. I just wrote down a few reasons why community is so hard. I think this will help us, will help you, because if we can understand the barriers to community, I think we can experience some breakthrough in community. So here's just one thing I wrote down, super profound, that makes community hard, it is laziness. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I'm gonna get to some more profound things, but I just think practically, if we just were honest in church today, sometimes community is hard uh, because of laziness. It's hard because it's easier to watch Netflix in your robe than go out and talk to somebody. Anybody out there? We can be honest in church today. Sometimes we struggle in relationships because we're lazy. We don't want to put in the effort and the work that it takes to have community. Sometimes community is hard because of busyness. Uh, I remember when uh, smartphones came out, uh, the, the iPhone specifically in 2007. I remember it was championed as this way of connection. Like we're gonna be more connected than ever before. And yet I think as we look at the stats, even just sociologists will tell us, and psychologists will tell us, hey, we, we haven't found connection with our smartphones. We found frustration and exhaustion and isolation. That many times we are watching other people in community as we scroll through Facebook or Instagram rather than experiencing community on our own. You know, we're like, oh, that's so cute. Look at what they're doing. Look, there's people doing things together, and yet you are all alone, right? And many of us, we, we're struggling, like that device that's lighting up somebody else's table, that's what's between you and community, if we're honest. It's busyness, it's distraction. Another thing that keeps us from community is unrealistic expectations. Uh, how many of you, you've seen the show Cheers? Uh, or friends. Some of you are like, do I raise my hand for that in church? I don't know. Uh, I think some of those, those shows, they gave us unrealistic expectations for community. We think, like when I get that, like when I have three to four friends, that every day, like every, I go to a place where everybody knows my name, and they're always so glad I came, right? <laughs> that that I'm, you're waiting for that. And, and friends, man, they're just, they, they talk together, they have the same lingo and the same humor. And when I find that, when I find like somebody with the same commonalities, the same affinities, the same like dog breed, like we would get really nuanced with this thing. And we're like, when I find that, then I'll experience community. And the reality is what's keeping you from community is you have an unrealistic expectation. 
Maybe it's based on a TV show, maybe it's based on something else. Another thing, most recently, that's keeping us from community is polarization. We often, today, in 2023, with politics and the pandemic and everything else that has happened, we often assume the worst about people. And as, as Christians, this is what I always lament. I think as we look at the world, it's like, yeah, of course they do. But even in the church, uh, we assume the worst about people now, whereas maybe we used to not. And we, we forget, we just like, I guess we ripped out verses of our Bible, like 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, love believes all things, hopes all things, assumes the best in people, gives people the benefit of the doubt, specifically if they know Jesus, and they're sitting across the aisle of church from you. And many of us, you've lost friendships in the last couple of years. And if I were to ask you why, you would tell me about a political candidate or a political side or a policy or a mask. And we've lost like, and not just not out in the world, in the church of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to bear all things in love, persevere through all things, believe all things, hope all things. And I have so many pastor friends and I'm like, hey, what? What's going on in your church? They're like, man, we lost 50% of our people. And I'm like, to what? And they're like, to COVID and politics. And I'm like, I don't know, did they read the New Testament? And we, community is harder now because of this. And I'm not shaming some of you who've had difficulties that way. I'm just saying we need to acknowledge that, that that's a barrier, not so we can be comfortable in that barrier, not so we can keep the barrier up, so that we can break through that barrier. And it's a barrier, amen, it's a barrier for a lot of us. Another thing with COVID, this last thing on COVID, everybody calm down. <laughs> uh, COVID, I don't know, anybody, has grandkids, kids, you're a teacher, if you don't have kids, like you've been around kids. Like I have three kids and I've had to retrain my kids how to greet somebody because of COVID. They, they don't know how to interact with people. Like, they don't know, like, do I fist bump, do I shake hands, do I hug you? Like, yeah. I remember one time my kid came home from school and he was like, my friend hugged me today, is that okay? <laughs> and you're just like, okay, we just need to acknowledge something's going on. Like, we need to acknowledge this is a barrier. We're having to retrain uh, even kids and ourselves how to be social, how to, how to be relational with one another. It's a barrier. Here's the biggest thing. Here's where we'll land. Is I think the biggest obstacle to community, why it's hard, is community is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. We have, uh, specifically in a room like this, we have different personalities, we have different ethnicities, we have different ages. We have two different churches that just recently came together. And it's uncomfortable. And, and I think sometimes we look at that and we think, well, it's uncomfortable, so it must not be helpful. It's uncomfortable, so it must not be beneficial. Again, we, we sometimes leave churches because community is uncomfortable, and so we look for something that's comfortable. And of course, we're too spiritual to say it that way, but we'll find something else. But, but the reality is we're just a little uncomfortable, and we want something that makes us a little bit more comfortable. And yet, we have verses like Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen that says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I always think that verse is so fascinating because we love that verse as Christians. We love that verse in, in churches. We, we put it on coffee mugs, right? We knit it into blankets. We love it. It's so romanticized. That is iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. And we think about that in the context of relationship and community. And yet if you really get the word picture in Proverbs, 
Iron sharpening iron. That is a violent process. That is an uncomfortable process. Like on the coffee mug that you're drinking out of. You're acknowledging community is, is uncomfortable. It's, it's supposed to be. We're, we're sinful people coming together with all those differences that I just mentioned. But that's one of the things that makes things, uh, makes community so meaningful is the mess and sticking through the mess. See, I, I have a, a, one of my best friends. He's in this church. He's in this room tonight. Uh, he was here at the start of our church. And when we started the church, uh, we had some conflicts with one another. We didn't see eye to eye on some issues. We offended one another. Uh, we wrote letters to one another. It got heated. And I just told you, he's here tonight. He's one of my best friends today. And I'll just be straight with you. We don't have a lot in common. Like we don't like all the same music or like the same sports team. You know, I like God's team. He likes a different team. <laughs> and yet he's one of my best friends. Why? Because he's a, a foxhole friend. You got any friends like that? Yeah. Where what, what's held you together is the mess you've experienced together. And you didn't opt out. You, you didn't unsubscribe. You stayed in the friendship. You stayed in that church. You stayed in that class. You stayed in that community group. And God used that mess to get you back on mission. He used that mess to teach you repentance and forgiveness instead of defending and deflecting. He used that mess to sanctify your life vertically with God as he puts somebody else in your life horizontally. Isn't God good how he does this? Yeah. This is the beauty of community. This is the power of community. And much of it, in my experience, is just when we stick it out together through the uncomfortableness, through the messiness. And many times we opt out too soon. And so how do we move forward? That's the last thing. Here's how we move forward. We make communi community a priority. We make community a priority. Here's the reality. Nothing else works in life like how we expect church and community to work. Right? If somebody is hanging all their financial hopes on a lottery ticket, like most, I think most of us in this room would tell them, would tell that person, tell her, hey, that's silly. Right? Like get a job. Like invest. Like don't hang on this lottery ticket for your finances. And yet how many times do we hear in the church, here in community, well, hey, are you connected? And it, no, not really. Well, well, how come? Well, I, you know, I tried that church and nobody said hi to me. No. Or I, I tried that, uh, that class and you know what? I just didn't connect with anybody at my table. And we're like, you trying to win the lottery? Because <laughs> like how many times did you try? How many years did you try? That, that's what it takes. You have to make community a priority, just like you do when you work out. If somebody said, hey, if you work out five times a year, you're going to get like jacked up, you're going to lose the weight. No, like that's silly. You have to go multiple times a week. You have to experience pain to see progress. And we, we know that in other things. But in church, we often act like it's not true there. In community, we act like it's not true there. And it is. So you have to make it a priority. You have to say, you have to pre-decide. I'm sticking with this thing. I, I'm, 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 gonna, uh, I'm not going to hold everything against someone. I'm going to assume the best about people. I'm going to take initiative. 
I'm going to not wait for somebody to talk to me and cross the aisle to come to me. I'm going to step across the aisle and go to them. Yes. You have to make community a priority. You have to keep coming back to it. That's where the beauty of community really happens. Uh, second thing is you have to believe the gospel. This is where we end. You have to believe the gospel. I, I think for a lot of us as Christians, man, some of us, we've memorized Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're saved by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man boast. It's a gift of God. And then we memorize that, and then we shut our Bible. And we don't read on to Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See, believing the gospel is not just something vertically between you and God. It is horizontally between you and another. It is breaking down walls of hostility. It is the idea that you can be forgiven by God, accepted by God. Here's the beauty of the gospel. But you can also be forgiven and accepted by one another. Do you believe that? That, that is the gospel. That is the gospel as applied to community. And many times we miss out, we close our, 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 our Bibles after we read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and we need to keep reading. The implications of the gospel go horizontal as well. And we don't need to give up too soon.